What's happening, Ken Folk? I am your host, Amor Jomay, and this is Jomay's To Go Plates, where I serve you a free game and send you on your way. The special for today is It's Okay Not to Be Okay, because through faith and community, you can make a way. Today, we are introducing a new segment to To Go Plates called Intersations with Jomay, where I hold intersections with different magical souls to politic about their life, lights, and purpose. Today, we have Bernadette Holmes, author of If Not Me, then what could it be? Welcome on the show. How are you doing? Hey, how are you? <laughs> I'm great. Um, let's start off by introducing people and telling people who you are. Okay. Ooh, I wasn't prepared for that. Hi, <laughs> uh, my, na- <laughs> my name is Bernadette Holmes. I um, am originally from Savannah, Georgia. I reside in Virginia now. I am a new special education teacher. This is my first year teaching. Uh, I have an 18 year old daughter. So I've been a single mom for quite some time before. So, and I just published my first book, If Not Me, Then What Could It Be? Yeah, so we're going to get into um, this book. Um, I purchased it and it's going to be something like uh, everybody. I am a social behavior counselor and I am in primary. So we have a lot of different kids with different things, um, different backgrounds, um, especially in the underprivileged areas. And so um, this book is definitely something that I feel like uh, primary, maybe even middle school um, counselors should invest in um, because it it is a lesson that I think kids need to learn. But we're going to have Bernadette talk more about it. I um, the catalyst for the book was like, well, it's a it's about me and my daughter, especially during the time when I was a single parent. And I honestly didn't even know that it was depression. You know, I just thought that sometimes I just kind of got in the funk, couldn't really do anything. I thought it was like just the stress of being a single parent, working two jobs, trying to go to school. And it wasn't until I want to say my daughter was, I think she was in maybe third grade or so, where I actually had attempted like suicide. I had really sat in my car and I was really, really, really going to just end it all. And an ex of mine actually sat on the phone with me and kind of for hours and convinced me, you know, not to do it or whatever. So I guess that wouldn't count as an attempt, but we can say that it was, I guess, you know. Um, And so it was at that moment where I knew that it was a bit more than just like a bad day, you know. And so I finally had um, tried to reach out, get some help, go to therapy and things like that. And so it kind of started the process. Naturally, it kind of fell off and on from then, you know. Uh, It wasn't until I would say maybe a couple of years ago when I kind of just felt like, it, actually, when I got into teaching, I noticed that there just, one, aren't a lot of books that have brown kids and brown parents on them. But I had always wanted to kind of do something to give back to like the black community because I feel like it's just not enough out there for us, especially for our kids. We're very underrepresented, you know, and I started kind of with wanting to do like a nonprofit and I was just like, eh, I'm in an area where I don't really know a lot of people. It's kind of hard to kind of get that going when you don't have connects, you know. And so it's like, I just right. got to think of another way to kind of, you know, get what I, my message out there somehow. And so in just kind of dealing with a lot of different things and just thinking like, you know, I just want to write a book about it, you know. And the first thing, the one thing that I know the most about is one, parenting and two, parenting with de- depression. And so I, my my main goal with doing it and like that book will be first of many, but I really wanted to just like open awareness to the world about like, you know, the black community does deal with a lot of issues, you know, when things happen and stuff, 
with, we'll just say other races. Oh, it's depression, it's mental illness and this and a third. But as it pertains to black people, you know, it always is something else. It can never be that, right. you know, and I really just wanted to bring awareness for that. And I, like for other people to realize that we deal with those things, but more importantly, to let other parents know that it's okay. You know, right. I think that it was a really hard pill for me to swallow to admit that something was wrong like that, you know, in a black household. Oh, you need to go to church. Oh, you need to pray. Oh, you right. live. You know, it was all these different things. So you try to cast it out and not feel like it's depression, you know. And so I really wanted the book to be a catalyst in like homes. So I didn't like I'm sure you read it, but, you know, I didn't want to use any particular verbiage when it came to that, because, you know, there's a lot of ways that people are afflicted by mental health and it's not just right. depression it could be anxiety and things like that and so i really just wanted it to be a starter conversation you know and with uh if not me then what could it be i really wanted to write it from a kid's perspective i think that like in a lot of my time and just kind of sitting with myself and dealing with different things and starting to journaling and things you know i put a lot of focus on myself and what I was doing and what I needed to do better, you know, and how I was trying to be like that strong parent and this and the third and not let her know that stuff was wrong. But I never stopped to think about how that affected my child and how exactly. she perceived all the things that were going on with me. So I tried to write it from like a kid perspective, just to let parents know that, you know, our kids are watching us all the time. And whether we, really? you know, like that something is wrong or not, they know, like they know when mom's not okay. You know, as much as we try to sugarcoat it and stuff like that, you can't really put anything past them. You know, they may not be able to put their finger on it, but they know when you're not all right. And so I wanted parents to understand that, you know, like the kids have feelings about things like this too. And we have to, as a black community and especially as black parents, you know, undo a lot of the things I think that we were taught when we were younger, where, you know, what happens in my house stays in my house type exactly. of thing, you know, stuff under the rug or thinking that kids don't understand certain things and just kind of brushing it off until they get older that, you know, you have to include children, you know, you don't have to necessarily tell them everything, but you got to tell them something because they could feel like it's them, you know, and I, it bothered me even more when I thought about it and started writing and it's like, dang, like, Cause my child had really thought that like all the things that were wrong with me were because of her, you know? So I was hoping that with this book, that it starts conversation, it sparks, you know, like healthy conversation in homes. And it makes parents feel more comfortable to know that these are the type of things that you need to talk to with your kids. Like don't wait until they're older because my main goal, once I did realize that I needed to get help and that something was wrong is I'm really trying to have my child have a childhood that she didn't need to heal from. And that started with me. I am so glad that you said all of that. Um, Sorry, I just went the, like off on a rant. No, <laughs> no, that's here. good. That's good because <laughs> the things that you said, parents need to know. Um, these are the same things that I deal with every day on an everyday basis. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, kids come in and, you know, they're concerned about their parents. Um, mm -hmm. I have kids come in, they're crying and, you know, they know something wrong, but the parents don't tell them. Um, right. Like you said, these kids are watching. These kids know. Kids can tell you their parents' everyday schedule. They know when they're at work, when they're not. They know exactly what you're mm -hmm. doing. But like you said, we grew up in um, a world during our time where we weren't allowed to ask questions. We weren't right. allowed to know about grown folks' business. Mm -hmm. But these same things, they affect you. 
They affect right. the kids. They affect the household. Um, I get a lot of kids, you know, they come in and they say different things or uh, my main thing is, oh, I have anger problems. I have anger management problems. And I'm like, well, why do you think that? Oh, I get it from my parent. I get it from my mama. So if these kids are saying that they're angry because their parents are angry, what do mm -hmm. you think that they're not, you know, taking on these different traits or something like that or not noticing when you're not yourself? Or right. how you act when certain people come around or certain things happen. Or even like, you know, as far as not having money in the house. They know. They come to school and they tell us. They, like, trust me, all as a teacher, your kid's telling all your business. All the <laughs> they, business. All the business. Sometimes <laughs> I have to be like, hey, hey. <laughs> Sometimes I have, don't, don't tell me this because then I'm going to have to call somebody else to try to figure out what's going on in this household. Mm -hmm. So, I, I mean, it's, 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 it's one of those things that, <laughs> right, right. It's one of those <laughs> things where, uh, and you, you, you have special ed and I taught special ed as well. And they were the group that I needed to express that. Hey, don't tell me nothing about what's going on in the house, because if, if it's this something and, right now, right, right. <laughs> um, it's, it's one of those things is like, you appreciate that type of thing. But it's mm -hmm. also parents don't want like the school to get involved because right. one of the things from my position, they don't want CPS to be called because C they think that CPS is going to take their children away. They're going to disrupt mm -hmm. the house. But a lot of people don't know CPS is there to help. They can right. provide different services for you. They can provide, you know, food, clothes, housing, whatever it is. They don't always take the children. It has to be something desperate for them to take the children that's a out of your measure. house. Yeah, that's yes. a drastic measure when you go and remove kids from the house. And I think that like a lot of parents too don't even understand that when your kids are home and they're dealing with certain things and they come to school, the only outlet that they have sometimes is school. Is at school. So when your child starts to like misbehave in class, their grades are dropping, the teacher's calling about different things and it's kind of like out of the ordinary for your child. Like something is up, you know? Yes. And I think that we have to like as parents and especially as black parents, not assume that all oh, the teacher out to get my child or, you know, well, what are you doing in your class? And this and that. Like something could be going on. Like, we have to get to the point where we, you know, definitely take heed as to what the teacher is saying, but have conversations with your children. Like, uh, I think a big reason why these kids come to school and they tell us all their business is because people not listening to them at home. Exactly. You know, they are, they're trying to express in certain ways and only ways that they know, you know, like kids are not necessarily going to sit down and say, hey, I need to talk to you about something that's really bothering me. You know, that's going to come across in different ways. That could be one child may know how to do that, whereas another one's going to throw a chair or another one's going to break a pencil, you know, or somebody else is going to be crying. So it's, you know, we really have to, as much as we check on the mental health of adults, we got to do that for kids too. Because kids internalize a lot of what is going on with their parents. And because they don't know how to verbalize it, then it's just like, now your kid's depressed. But you don't think they are because a lot of people don't think their kids can be depressed. But they can right. be. If an yeah, adult... I mean, that's, if, if you think about it, that's where the adults, you know, have their issues from. Mm -hmm. It's usually issues stemming from, you know, childhood um, that they haven't worked out, that they've suppressed. And now it's showing up in their adult life. Um, 
I, I really want parents to start just simply talking to your kid. Mm-hmm. Talking to your kid is not saying, oh, how was your day? And your kid's saying, oh, it was okay. And that's the end of the conversation. Right. No, ask probing questions. Mm-hmm. Don't ask yes or no questions. Ask probing questions. If you know that your child has been struggling in the subject and they had a test, oh, well, how did you do on that test? Or, you know, let me help you with your work. Or, you know, I know you've been having some issues with me, such and such, like, how is that, you know, going on? Make them feel like their day is valuable. Right. The same way you, you know, get off work and you call your girlfriend, your partner, who else to go and, you know, vent about your day. Mm-hmm. Your child needs to vent too. They Absolutely. need that safe person. Mm-hmm. The parents should be that safe person. They should be. They Because <laughs> the teachers don't necessarily want to do that. You know, like we right. can't do that for every kid. But I think we have to... And like you said, ask probing questions, but you also have to know your child. Like, I think a very good book for parents to read is The Five Love Languages of Kids. And it helped me a lot when it came to my daughter. Like, you know, when you become a parent, you assume that your kid is going to be just like you, you know, and that you try to treat them the way that you would want to be treated. treated. Treat them Mm -hmm. the way that, as I'm in therapy now and I've learned, that my inner child will want, not not necessarily my child, you know, but I had to learn a way in which to one communicate with my daughter because the way that I would want to be communicated with is not the way that she does, you know, and I had to really realize what resonates to her as love, because as a parent, you think that you're doing all of these miraculous things and that your kid is understanding and knowing that you love them, but that's not always the case. Right. You know, just like adults have love languages, kids do too. And I think that instead, like you said, with the probing questions, but ask how they feel about mm-hmm. things. How do you feel when you're in this so-and-so's class? How do you feel when you call, when you get to school or when you leave school? You know, like, what did you do in math today? Like, ask right. direct questions in a sense, you know, and then kind of see how they're feeling about that. Like, I think that, you know, as a parent and as a teacher, it's very, kids are sometimes easy to read. You know, like they'll give you a small hint that something ain't right, you know, and I think but that you can only just. only if you that. know that kid. This is true. You but have you to build a rapport in a relationship. Yeah. Because I have teachers, I have teachers no, now that, you know, oh, well, this student won't talk to me. Well, did you ask them what's going on? Mm-hmm. Right. Because they come down to me and spill their guts. And we, we just you sit and talk. Good morning. <laughs> and they're going to start talking <laughs> like kids know who they feel safe with. Right. Kids will open up to you if they feel safe with you and they feel like, you know, their opinion and their thoughts and their feelings actually matter to you. They're going to talk to you all the time. It's not going to be mm-hmm. a struggle. So when it becomes um, a problem for a parent to try to figure out or say, oh, well, I didn't know this was happening with my kid. You don't talk to your kid. Right. That, that's Thank not the you. conversation that you're having with them. Right. I know in my household, just growing up, you know, my parents were a little older, you know, so they had the old school mentality where parents are here and kids are there, you know, Mm -hmm. so I never felt like I could have a conversation with my mom because I always felt like she was never going to understand me, you know, like it because there was such a divide, like, a, you know, like a separation between the two of us. It wasn't like a feeling where, you know what, this could be a safe space, even though I knew I was safe. It didn't feel like a safe space sometimes to talk about my feelings. So I think that, you know, parents need to definitely work hard. It's hard to create a safe space because I think a big issue, I know even for myself before I got to the point where I had gotten into therapy, you know, and actually was applying the things that I had learned in therapy is that 
when other people are vulnerable, it makes us feel uncomfortable. You know, mm -hmm. like when you have conversations with your kids and it, it's like, oh, I don't know how to handle that. So I ain't even going to tread the waters there. You know, I think that as a parent, you have to be comfortable with being vulnerable. And that's not something that a lot of people are okay with. And like when your kid expresses certain emotions that you are stifling within yourself or that you don't want to admit or deal with or talk about, it makes you uncomfortable. So you don't do it. And, you know, I think a big part of what I have learned in being a parent and now my daughter's 18, but even still, you know, because at this point, I've realized that parenting is lifelong. Like it doesn't yes, matter it is. how old your child is, you are <laughs> still, but my mom still try to parent me and I am 37 years old, you know, and so you have to definitely like learn your kids and grow and evolve with them in the relationship because it's not going to be the same. Like you can't just love them. You can't just provide for them. You know, it's work being a parent and it's work being what you feel like is a good parent you know like i'm not here to say by any means that one way or another means it's better you know or worse than right. the other but it takes a lot of work and with yourself in order to be a good parent and if you are not whole as a person then it's really really hard to parent like i think that i and i told my daughter this like you know the older that she gets the more you know, fluid conversations, I think that we start to have, but I don't think that I really realized like who I was as a person until I was in my thirties. You know, like I had my daughter at 19 years old. So at 19, didn't know nothing about nothing. You know, I was working two jobs because I thought I needed to. I wasn't going to school because I thought I had to, you know, and I was just providing. So I like looking back on it right now, don't know if I was actually parenting the way that I would have at this age, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, just from being a teacher, you know, and seeing that parents are getting a lot younger now and your growth is, is like stifled when you have kids young, you know, because it, you don't experience certain things, you don't deal with certain things. And so it's like your brain literally switches from being a 19 year old or mm -hmm. to be a parent. And like I explained to um, a young girl that I work with now, like she had a child young, she's like 22 or something, you know, and I try to mentor her and she's also a friend, like a family friend and stuff. But it's like the mom brain and then that young brain, but they haven't yeah. merged together to work. <laughs> you know, like I was a 19 year old that had a kid, but I wasn't a 19 year old mom. And I think that if we don't start as a community and, you know, like as black people fixing those issues when we know something's not right, instead of waiting and pushing it off and stuff, we are not doing our kids any justice. You know, like I wish that I had grown up in a time when I had my daughter where therapy was a lot more accepted. You mm -hmm. know, I think that I could have come to terms with the issues that I was dealing with way quicker. Not to say that my life would have turned out any differently, you know, but I think that I could have arrived to where I am right now a lot faster had I dealt with a lot of things, you know. Um, I just feel like we just got to start when we know something's not right, we have to deal with it then because whether we know it or not, like our kids are affected. It, right. it affects their daily life. Like I see a lot of kids whose home lives are not the absolute best and they have a hard time in school, a really hard time. Um, I want to go back to something you said earlier um, about the the suicide piece. Okay. Um, so today uh, we found out that uh, mm -hmm. Twitch, um, I don't like to say killed himself, took his life. Um, and that's one of the things in the black community 
that we don't talk about as well, along with um, the depression. Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of different comments saying, you know, you never know what somebody is going through. Um, Or, you know, he was always a happy guy or, you know, things like that. And it always strikes me like, yeah, somebody can appear happy, but Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that they're happy on the inside. Um, I think, I think we as a people need to start paying attention more, Mm -hmm. paying attention to people like, yeah, you see the mask that people put on or whatever, but you know, when we ask people, are you okay? And they say, yeah, I'm okay. And we just leave it like that. Mm -hmm. Like, no, really tell me, are you okay? Like, I don't even ask people, are you okay? And I'd be like, how's your heart? How's your mind? Mm -hmm. Those are the things that that I want to know. Because if your heart and your mind is not, you know, right, then we Mm -hmm. need to have a conversation because I want to know, like my friends know, I'm not a how, you know, how's your day? How's your, no, like what's going on? Are you, are you okay? I'm Mm -hmm. that friend that, you know, if I know something's going on, I'm going to check on you at least three times a day just to make sure that your mental is good. And if Mm -hmm. they're not, we're going to talk about it. Even when I see people post stuff on Instagram, I don't even know them. Hey, I'm that person that you need to, you know, here's my number. You can call me anytime, any day or whatever. I'm there to talk to you because Mm -hmm. there's too many people in our community that are taking their lives and nobody know what is going on. Right. Like nobody is known. I, I wasn't, I was in the severe depressed state about 11 years ago and I wasn't thinking about killing myself, but I had just shut everybody out. And one of my friends was concerned about me because Mm -hmm. I was talking all crazy or whatever. And I stopped answering my phone. She sent the cops to my house to do a wellness check. That was how I initially got into therapy. I don't know where I would have been, what could have happened to me had she not done that. But I thank her still to this day Mm -hmm. Um, because I've never had anybody like, not saying that people don't check on me, but to that capacity to be like, oh, well, I'm gonna call the police to make sure that you're okay. Right. Like, I was still in student, you know, apartments, and they don't knocked on the front door, knocked on my bedroom door, and I'm like, I'm good. They were like, no, we need you to come with us. We're gonna take you to the, you know, mental hospital to get you checked out and evaluated. And from there, the um, the mental hospital ended up contacting my school, and they made me go to therapy, and I was like. Okay, this is a bit much, but, you know, <laughs> after everything happened, like, you know, I appreciate it. I I was never against therapy, but like you said, growing up in a Black, you know, household, Black family, we didn't talk about therapy. We didn't talk about any of that. Um, but once I started going, I loved going. I, that's probably how I even got into the field. Just, you know, my therapist had to tell me to stop coming. <laughs> like, you you're good now. Stop coming. I'm like, no, I want to talk to you. Can I come next week? Um, Like we need to talk about different things like that because we do get into those spaces where we may not have plans, but just the thought, just the thought that I'm to the point where I'm not okay. And I feel like it's better to take my own life than to deal with whatever problems I have. You know, and I think that that's a people really need to understand, especially within the black community, that there is a difference between depression and a bad day. 
Right. You know, I think that so many people are so used to saying, oh, you need to pray or just get up. You'll feel better. Oh, you just having a bad day or oh, it's a bad week or change this or change that. And speaking from personal experience, it's not that easy. You know, like it, it, it's not just a bad day. Like there's I mean, there's bad days, but with depression, there's consecutive bad days. Mm -hmm. Like I remember to the point where, oh, Lord, now I don't want to cry. But, you know, my best friend would call me and she's just like, at least get up and take a shower today. That's you know, hard. It's hard. Like, I don't think that people understand how hard it is to, I told myself I was not going to cry. No, you're good. I, 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 I totally, like, feel you 100%. I talk to my friends all the time. My friends know that I am clinically diagnosed with depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I tell them all the time, there was a time, um, after my recent breakup, uh, I wasn't cleaning my house. Mm -hmm. I wasn't doing anything, whether it was washing dishes, whether it was, you know, folding up clothes. You know, I would get dressed, go to work every single day, mm -hmm. smile, do my job, come back home, and I'm just sitting on the couch. Yeah, and it's like I'm you not, see the you see the mess, and you want to do it. You want to it, tackle it. It feels so so much anxiety. It's just like man. You know, I can't even, you know, and then you, 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 that whole, you know, getting down on yourself and beating mm -hmm. yourself up inside. I want to give a shout out to Anchor for sponsoring To Go Plates. If you ever wanted to have a podcast show, Anchor is the easiest way to do it. First of all, it's free 99. Secondly, it's hella user friendly. You can record and edit all within the app on your phone or computer. Thirdly, Anchor will get you tapped into other podcast services like Apple, Spotify, and plenty more. And the winner winner chicken dinner is you can make money from your podcast with super minimal listeners. Anchor really is your one-stop shop for making a podcast. You can download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to hit the green light on your podcast. Um. So yeah, I I don't think people really realize like the struggle that there is with being depressed, especially if your depression doesn't look like what people think it should look like. Right. If you're a functioning um depressed person and you know continue on with your day-to-day -day lives they don't understand like why you can't go out why you're always sleeping why you're always tired why you're agitated like the little things or whatever um until like you deal with depression you really don't know what that looked like to anybody because everybody's depression is different yeah, um, I didn't realize that agitation was like even a sign of like, you know, like depression. I just learned that in my last session in therapy, probably last week when I was talking to her about a lot of different things and how I was feeling and stuff, because this is usually around my season where I kind of just am not my best. Like I was diagnosed with a 
cyclical biological depression. That almost sounded like bipolar. I was like, hold up, sir. No. I ain't that crazy. But, no, no, no. <laughs> but, you know, it's around this time when it's really, really hard for me. Like I have to work really, really hard at keeping myself afloat. And I was talking to her about a lot of things and she was just like, you she said you don't feel depressed i was like i don't feel like it like i'm not sleeping more than normal i'm not doing this and the third and she's like but you're agitated and i was like okay and she's <laughs> like but that means that you're depressed and i was like girl what you know and so like even from somebody who has dealt with depression for a really long time i never felt like that was classic of depression you know i just assumed that as far as myself goes like when i'm kind of tired or not even tired just don't want to do anything you know, mm -hmm. like, and I am like, I can't stand clutter, mess and all of that. And when I notice that I'm neglecting my responsibilities and stuff like that, you know, I kind of know that I'm kind of backsliding a little bit, but even being in it did not realize that agitation could be something that came along with it. And I was like, if that's the case, girl, now I've been depressed for a long time. Then. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> just like I, I said earlier, um, before we got on, um, I didn't know that I was depressed because um, I wasn't showing like typical symptoms that I thought, but I was burning bridges all around me. Like there was so many different people. Oh, you were an asshole and you were so mean and you said all these crazy things to me. And I was like, what? Also, I didn't remember any of it. Like it was like I was like blanking out or whatever. And, you know, people had their receipts and I'm like, OK, like I'm it was a depression. Like I, it, that's not me for real. Like, you know, that's you know. Hurt people hurt people. I mean, I that's true. It's really, really true. Like I know that I was something else back in the day. Like I was not a nice person. Some still may feel that way. Not real sure. Right. You know? I mean, it is what it Work is. in progress. Right. But you know, I, I realize now that it wasn't me at my best. You know, like I had a lot of things going on that I wasn't ready to one, talk about, I wasn't ready to deal with, and that I didn't know about, you know, like I didn't assume that it could ever be that, you know, but I am thankful that I had some people around me that dealt with me, that still loved me through a lot through of, of what I was going through, you know, and I know we were talking about it before um, with Twitch. I didn't really watch it, um, the Ellen show, like with him, the guy today that took his life or whatever but you know when people are always just like check on your strong friends strong friends or you know it's a true statement you know and i think but it takes strong people to deal with somebody that has depression it is not for everybody no you know and it's a lot of work being our friend and our spouse and partner and stuff like that our kids even you know like yeah. i have to think about how that affects my child you know and but you, I saw something on Instagram some time ago where people were just like, it was one particular person that was like, they need to reach out to us if they having a hard time type of thing. That's, that's now, no. <laughs> I thought it was the craziest thing I had ever heard of because you want me in the middle of my depression and I can't even get up and wash my behind today to text you and be like, hey, I need to talk. I exactly. You know, because most times with depression, you try your hardest to hide it. You try yeah. to snap out of it. You try to get yourself together. You don't want people to know that anything's wrong because That's the main battle. Yeah. And trying it's trying to get back to you. 
Yes. And it's a complete <laughs> mind fuck, like all the time. Like, I don't think that people get it. You know, like you were saying before, when you see the dishes piling up or the clothes piling up and it's like, dang, I really need to handle that, but I just can't do it. And it's like, oh my God, get off your behind and do something. Like, why can't you do this? Like, it's literally like your mind is attacking itself, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, I talk about it even in my book, um, when she's explaining to the child, like sometimes your mind wants to do something and your body can't or vice right. versa. And it's, it's the connect is not there sometimes. So, you know, in dealing with somebody with depression, you really have to understand and know that they're really always trying. We are really always trying to like be not necessarily happy, but keep our shit together for lack Just of better Just be word. like normal. Just be right. content with who we are in the moment. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, you mentioned something earlier about, you know, this is your season. Um, yeah. I had a friend that we were both talking about, you know, we have seasonal depression and, and around certain times or whatever. And one thing that she asked me, she was like, um, what happened during that time? And I was like, what? She was like, what happened to you during the time? Like, can you pinpoint mm. something that happened during this time that, like you started having these feelings with and I thought about it and usually around like September going into the holidays, I always start, you know, to feel down or whatever. And that was, um, when I moved to Texas and when I moved to Texas, I moved by myself. Um, I followed an ex here and it was just like craziness. And I wasn't the first Thanksgiving, um, that I was here, I wasn't able to go home and that started it because I had always spent time with my family. Like um, I come from two sides of close knit family members. And um, when I came and I wasn't able to go home, like I was so sad, like they would like send me, you know, pictures and stuff like that. But feeling that connection, feeling, being able to fill my tank back up with that love, I couldn't do. And so that, that was the pinpoint moment of when I, could figure out like where it started to be and why always in this this season that I would you know start to go into these different little patterns and you know um still to this day I'm still going through it um but it's one of those things where you don't learn to cure it you learn to cope with it right and so now like I try um I was talking to one of my coworkers and they had texted me and was like, hey, friend, you know, you haven't been in our office and talking to us. And I was like, well, you know, I'm just, you know, laying low key, being low key, you know, just doing my thing or whatever. And uh, she texted me outside of our group chat. And she was like, what's really going on? She actually FaceTimed me. <laughs> and she was like, Even what's right really now. going on? And I was like, you know, I just get like this. I said, there's a lot on my plate. I'm overwhelmed. You know, I'm working. I'm in school. I got all these different hobbies I'm trying to do. Um life is expensive right now. Christmas is coming up. Like there's a lot of different things going on and I just need to like step back. Like, let me have my moment. Let me, you know, try to figure some things out within myself. And then, you know, maybe, or maybe not, you know, I'll be back to the regular self. She texted me today. She was like, how are we feeling today? Eh, I'm feeling okay. And she was like, nah, what does that mean? I'm like, like those type of people I like and I appreciate or whatever, even though I'm not giving you what you want to hear, you're still concerned about me. Like not only did you ask, but you asked outside of the group and then you followed up with a, a um another check-in the day after. Like that type of thing 
I appreciate because like you said, we're not going to tell you. Mm-hmm. I know I'm not. Yeah. But the if people that know me, words, though, like, I don't, I don't know what you're supposed to say. Like, <laughs> yeah, and, like, that's what I, you know, when it came down to me and trying to figure out, because you really sometimes don't know what's wrong. It's like, and sometimes I, there's nothing wrong. Right. And you just don't, I, I think I got to the point where I was just like, you know what? I'm just not myself. Like, I feel kind of, eh, kind of blah, you know, I'm just kind of here or whatever. And it's like, you know, friends will be like, well, what does that mean? Girl, your guess is as good as mine. Like, I'm really <laughs> still trying to figure that out. But I just know that today is an off day for me. Like, I think that I've gotten to the point where I can feel comfortable in saying that because I think sometimes you feel compelled to give them something. Something, like they're asking, yeah. So you feel like you got to give them something. And it's like, really? Grasping as cars. You know, right not what I, this is not how I usually am today, you know, but I think that when you deal with depression and mental health, like you got to find a tribe, you got to find people that are going to like, that's going to ride for you like that. Ride for you, support you, lift you up. Even in those times of, yeah, even in those times of um, not knowing how -hmm. you feel. Um, I tell my friends all the time, like, you know, I don't care if you just come over here and just Lay on the couch with me. Mm-hmm. I don't care if we just sit in silence. As long as I know you're there, that gives me a little bit of hope. Right. That 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 is literally, you know, the smallest gesture that you can do if you like you want to support me or you feel like I'm not, you know, being myself or whatever. Just knowing that I have somebody that's outside that is looking out for my well being, even if I didn't even say nothing. Mm-hmm. Because a, a lot of times, you know, I'm not going to say anything. Right. Because like you said, what am I supposed to say? Mm-hmm. Because my my whole thing is like me saying that I'm not okay and them taking it, well, you know, are you thinking about suicide? Are you like, like, no, I'm just not okay. Right. And I don't know how to tell you why mm-hmm. I'm not okay, but just know I'm not okay. Yeah. And like it's once I figure it out, then I can tell you, but don't ask all these questions that I don't <laughs> like I'm trying to figure that out myself. Like you're yeah. going to have to stop at some point. And, you know, I think sometimes they try to be like good friends, like by asking those questions and stuff. But I think that you, and just in knowing whatever person it is that you're dealing with, you have to know kind of when to push and when to fall back. Yes. Sometimes, that you know, part. and it's, it's really hard, you, you know, to try to navigate, I think that space with like friends that are dealing with depression because, you know, they want to help. They want to ask all the questions. And it's like, then when we may get like snappy or something, it's like, Oh, okay. Then I'm gonna leave you alone. Like, no, yeah. don't leave me right. alone. Just right. find a way to deal with me. How to, and you know, like my biggest thing has been like in the way that people handle me, you know? And I think that as just, a black community in whole, whether you deal with depression or not, you got to learn how to handle folk. Mm-hmm. Like it's me and how to talk to them. Yeah. Mishandling people, you know, and if you know that a person's not okay, if you know that they're dealing with depression and they get a little snappy, I'm not saying that you have to deal with everything, but charge it to their head and not their heart. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that it can ruin a lot of relationships or like friend. I mean, well, cause I feel like friendships are relationships. They like are. I have been friends with um, like a small group of my friends, like my best friends since one of them, since I was in second grade, another one since like middle school and another one since college. And we have had to learn over time that like, we're not the same that we used mm-hmm. to be X amount of years ago. And it's a, it's work making friendships even work. And we yes. have to learn each other. 
you know, and I think like me going through everything that I did and stuff like they, they really were kind in that way. And I think that you just have to remember that all the time to like lead with kindness with a lot of stuff. Like if you can't be there for a person with depression, like they need to, then eh, kind of fall back a little bit. Cause sometimes it makes it worse. Right. You know, we already feel bad about half the stuff that's going on, you know, and then you get somebody that will reach out to you. And then it's like, you don't give them what they're looking for. And then it turns into like, a, okay, now you're upset with me because I can't answer your question. And like, right. now we're like, what is this? Like, I was already feeling bad and I feel even worse. You know, so, you, you feel some type of way that I'm feeling some type of way. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> And I think it's a situation where you can bow out gracefully if you can't do it. You know, yeah. like, it, it takes a lot. And I mean, you, you got to have special people around you that that are going to love you no matter what and kind of be there with you and understand that like, okay, this is not necessarily who Bernadette is on this given day. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think I had gotten to the point and just being very self-aware and trying to be like, that's something that I, that I always work on a lot. It's just being self-aware and knowing like, okay, if I said something out the way or this and third, or I kind of, you know, could have been a little nicer in that situation. You know, I try to come back and be like, Hey, my bad, that, wasn't a good day for me. It was an off day or whatever. So if I said something or whatever, I apologize for that, you know, but it just, I think that we just got to be nicer to one another. I think at this point, like depression kind of seemed like something that not a lot of people have, but now mental health is huge. It's big. I think that like so many people are dealing with it. I want to say that this is just my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to say that there's more people out there that have been through depression or is dealing with depression then numbers no absolutely because Back, one like years ago like our parents dealing oh, with depression most definitely didn't know most what it definitely. was you know it started um, back then i was about to say one of the things that me and my mom like finally realized like years later um one of my aunts passed from breast cancer when i was 10 years old and um during her final you know, months of living, we lived with her and took care of her. And when she died, um, me and my mom didn't know for years that years afterwards, like we were depressed. Like I noticed, like now, as I look back, I noticed different things. I know like, um, probably like two weeks, you know, up until two weeks after she died, like I wasn't talking to nobody. Um, I would just go to summer camp and cry like people had to, you know, like what's wrong or whatever. And like, we don't, because it's so taboo um, in the black community, we don't recognize the signs. Um, we don't, we think that like overworking ourselves, we think that um, taking on all of the responsibilities. Um, I think we we try to do a lot of different things to take up that space from being depressed. So it's just like, you know, oh, well, I can't, you know, feel these feelings and sit with these feelings. um, So I need to go and do something to replace it. So that means I need to work extra hard. I need to get on another job or I need to, you know, always be on the go or whatever. So like that feeling doesn't catch up with us. Not knowing that all the extra things that you're putting on yourself is making it worse. Absolutely. 
I, I think that, but too, we black people as a whole just always have to have like a strong face, you know, like we just always got to be the strong people and not mm-hmm. let, you know, like, especially black men, you know, not being able to show weakness, not being able to cry. Like, I think I could count on one hand the amount of times that I saw my dad cry. And it was probably not probably it was at a funeral, you know, and it just is really sad, you know, but I think that like, as far as a parent standpoint goes, it has allowed me to show a lot more grace to my parents, you know, because I, a lot of things that I went through in my childhood and now being a parent, I was like, dang, my mom was depressed. Like something, my mom was sad, you know, and it's like, it affects your kids. You know, all that time I thought it was me. I thought she was upset with me, you know, and it wasn't though. It was a lot of other things, you know, and I think that when you shut your emotions off from your children, it makes them feel bad. Like there's no other way to put it. It makes them feel bad. You lose a connect with your child. You lose those, like even in hard moments and emotional moments is a time to connect with your kids. You know, like I think that even as a parent for a long time, I never wanted my daughter to see me cry. I just never did because I didn't want her to to know that I was sad. Like, I don't even know where that idea came from. Like, I'm not a superhero in real life. You know, like, it's okay to, to be sad. But it's probably a learned behavior. It was. It's probably that you didn't learn from your mom. Mm-hmm. And even now it's still hard for me. You know, because I think that as a parent, you just feel like sometimes like I'm an adult. So like, I have to have it all together. Like, I can't be not okay because then then she's not going to be okay, you know. But it's still hard for me to this day to kind of talk about it like that or even get upset or like cry and stuff. And her, like, I feel embarrassed. I feel weak. Like, it, it's you're human. Yeah, I know. These but are like, natural emotions. <laughs> but you know, when you turn sometimes, and it, like you said, it's probably learned from like my parents or whatever, but it's like, I'm like, I just, that can't be that person. Like I'm mom. So like, I'm, and it haven't been a single parent for so long. You know, I felt like I couldn't do that. I didn't have the time to, I didn't have the space to, like I was playing mom and dad at a time, you know? So it was like, there was no time to deal with emotions. There was no time to cry and be upset like that. You know, like I was trying to be her superhero. I think it's yeah. what it was. Like I was trying to save her from a childhood that I had. I was trying to save her from not feeling the effects of her dad, you know, like not being there. I was trying to, you know, make sure that she didn't miss a beat for anything. And I think that I had so much going on because, you know, and both of my parents, you know, they had been married for forever. And it was out of the norm, I guess, for me to have had a child as young as I did and out of wedlock and this and the third. So like I had, I felt like I had a lot of pressure on myself. And I'll never forget, like my mom told me when I had her, she was like, you know, I just always want you to strive to not be an exception, to not be a a statistic, but to be the exception, you know, and that was weighing on me. So I was just like, I got to be strong. Like, I got to do this. I got to do that. You know, like I can't let her down. And it was just any, there was no downtime until it all came crashing down, you know, and I think that in our community, we do have a lot of single moms out there, single fathers too, you -hmm. know, and you got to make time for yourself. I think like that's the biggest thing is to stop trying to do everything. Cause my dad used to tell me all the time, you can do anything, but you can't do everything, everything. you know, and you got to slow down and just know that like, Hey, I'm not okay. And if we're not okay as parents, then our kids are not okay. No, we're not. So I'm going to switch it to something that we talked about, or we were starting to talk about, um, me time. Oh, Lord. Parents and me time. 
No, no, it's not. <laughs> yes, it is. You have kids, you don't ever get that. Parents, no, the I, I have. I think the majority of my friends have children. Um, mm-hmm. I think I'm probably the long ranger without a kid. Um, but um, having that me time is something that is for everybody, not mm-hmm. just single people without kids. Um, everybody needs me time, a break away from the world. Um, you said, you know, when you don't, when you have kids, you don't get that time or whatever, but your children need me time too. Mm -hmm. So if your kids are getting me time, you need to just like, you know, when you're a parent, you got that newborn, when that newborn is asleep, what you with sleep. So when that kid is having the me time, parents need to be having me time too. Um, how do you, well, we talked about it and you said that's something that you want to incorporate into your life. Um, what does that look like for you, me time? What does that mean to you? I really like to journal, like just kind of, it helps me get my thoughts out. Like I like to start my day like that. And that I had been doing that, you know, but I fell off. And I think that sometimes in just getting caught up in life, the first thing to go is your me time. You know, but journaling really helps me. I like shopping, but my therapist said that's not a good one. So I'm working on that, trying to replace that. I don't know about your therapist, you know. Yeah, she was like, "Mm, no. may not be the one to listen to. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, we're going to replace that with something else because that's not really a good one. But in all honesty, like I... I, I don't really think that I know what that looks like. And I'm still in a place and trying to find that. I I don't know what it looks like. I didn't really, when I was away and doing things, like if my mom babysat or something like that when I was younger, or if I go away with my friends, then I consider that me time. But I think for me now at this age and at this stage, me time needs to look different because that wasn't working. It wasn't recharging my battery. And I think that that's what I need more than anything is some outlets that help me to kind of fill myself back up, like just throughout the course of the day and working, you know, and family and everything. It's really hard because you're pulled in so many different directions mm-hmm. and when you do get like a small window of time. It's like, I still got something else to do. You know, like, there's right. no time for me time, but I want to work better at trying to do that. And I think that, you know, a lot of other parents should definitely do that too, because if you don't have time to sit with yourself and just deal with yourself and stuff constantly gets swept under the rug. And I know you're also going to face burnout. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know, the body is, uh, it has a way of putting you down. If you don't sit down yourself, that is a fact. So I think people in general, um, whether you have kids or not, because, you know, some people, you know, just overwork themselves. Um, because they feel like they have, you know, to do all these things, they have all these responsibilities that they don't get to take time for themselves. Um, and it can be, you know, something small. It doesn't have to be, you know, anything big or outrageous or, you know, nobody's saying go on vacations every month or something like that. Um, just simple things. Um, I know for me, I love water. So if I'm having a particularly, you know, hard day, I'll go by one of these lakes here or whatever. And I just sit by the water and just watch the waves. Or one of the things that I really enjoy that doesn't cost anything. And you do it right in the, you know, in your house, I like to pull up, pull into the parking lot and just sit there. I'll sit in my car for a good two hours, just doing nothing. 
Now that I love to do. That that is like a, a saving grace. That used to be my thing, sitting in the car and just decompressing. Yeah. Before the day. And I think that it I don't think I ever looked at it as like me time or whatever, but it used to help me just kind of get out or just decompress from the day and not take that into my household. Right. I think the biggest thing. So I think that I never in interpreted as me time because it's like okay i'm doing this so i don't knock nobody head off yeah. when i go in this house so it didn't feel like me time it felt like it was more for them than it was for me you know but there's different type of ways that you can i mean sometimes you know you pull up or like you you were telling me uh you have to sneak and eat stuff or whatever Ooh, now you don't put That's, my business on front no, street i'm, I can't I'm do so it sorry no i'm now so they sorry <laughs> Like you, me, I like to incorporate any type of me time that I can. Like mm -hmm. when, um, when I was teaching special ed or whatever, my TAs would like, we would eat with the kids. And so, mm -hmm. um, when we went to lunch with the kids or whatever, we would eat, I would eat with them, but I still would take my lunch break on my lunch break. I would go out to my car. I would either set a timer for 30 minutes and I would take a nap or I would like, you know, maybe call a friend or whatever, but that was just my time away from the kids yeah. and away from, you know, I have this mentality, like once I step outside the building's door, I'm no longer at work. I'm mm -hmm. off doing whatever it is or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and then once I step back in, then, okay, you know, putting on counselor Drew or whatever the case may be. But um, sometimes you have to trick yourself into thinking that, something like very minor, like even pulling up to your house or whatever, that's me time. Even, even mm -hmm. if that's only what you got in the day, maybe right. you have to, you know, go in the house and get ready for some event or whatever like that. But those five, 10 minutes or however long that you spend mm -hmm. in that car is dedicated to yourself, whether it's just sitting in the car and sitting in silence, yeah. you're decompressing, but that's also bringing all the stress of the day down. And it is allowing you to kind of like reset your body and stuff like that. So don't like discredit the little things as not being me time because you feel like you're decompressing to go and help somebody else out. It's really helping you out because once you do that or whatever, you're not even going to, you know, it's not even going to like take effect to how they're going to present themselves when they come in because you've already calmed yourself. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's different little things or whatever, but I do say everybody and anybody needs to take out me time during their day. Five, mm -hmm. 10 minutes. I don't know. Even if you have to put it on your phone, schedule it, say, hey, for these five, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, this is what I'm going to do. You need yeah, that, me that's time. A good idea. I think because I, it's almost uncomfortable at a certain point when I had time to myself. I was like, I should be doing something. This ain't right. Like, no. for me to have time without, you know, somebody calling me or doing this, that, and the third, that's not right. Like, I shouldn't have any time. Like, it, I don't think that, I think I have functioned so long in, like, single parent mode. It's very hard to switch out of that. You know, yeah. it's very, very hard to do that. Having been in relationships, being married, it's very hard to get out of single parent mode. And it's, like, a constant driver all the time of, like, I got to be doing something because there's always something to do. So... I think that I, I'm going to have to literally schedule it. Like my therapist had told me before that, like, that was my homework one time to schedule joy. 
is what yeah. you need to do. And it's just like, girl, there's no space on the planner for joy this week. Okay. <laughs> but I'm going to try my best to get it there, you know, but well, why, I, why is it that we, we think that, oh, I don't have time for self. Why do we give so much of ourselves to others and mm -hmm. don't make time for self? Because if something happens to self, mm -hmm. who gonna help them other people? You right about that. I I tell our teachers at school that all the time, no matter where at school I'm at, I tell them all the time, make that time for yourself. If you don't feel like coming into work, don't come. They gonna replace you. This I don't know about right now in this this world because yeah, ain't nobody trying right to be a teacher right now. <laughs> but <laughs> but they will. That job will be there for somebody else. I literally had a fifth grade teacher in one of my old schools. She had a stroke, mm. and I told her when she came back to work. I think she came back probably like two three days later. I said, if you don't take your ass home, I mean for real. Why? I said you. You have come, I have saw her in the, the hallway. I stopped her because she was boohooing down the hall. I said, come in my office. What is going on? What is going on with you? And probably like a week or two later, she had a stroke. She had a stroke and, and thank God she's doing okay. She's mm -hmm. doing better. But you were so stressed out, stressing yourself out about these kids at school, this job. You got stuff going on at home that you don't work yourself up into a stroke literally i'm not never why never will i ever do that yeah i mean but it's hard though you know like i think and just thinking about it how now thinking like how dedicated we can be to giving ourselves and our time and our energy to something else and don't ever think that we need to do that for ourselves you know we like, need to dedicate know. to ourselves but where do you that learn I that from though is the thing though you know like that's not something we learned as kids i never saw my mom have me time it was always me and my mom or me my mom and my dad or she was at work or we were together like i don't i can't recall a time where she was like i'm going to do x y and z by myself you know and i think that that's a good thing like i'm glad we're talking about it because that's something that as a black community we need to start doing for our children like they need to see yeah. so that it's something that is learned and they start to do that in their own lives and stuff you know like i try to tell my daughter even now at 18 like when she had somewhat of a schedule you know like hey you need some decompression time like were you not on mm -hmm. the phone were you not on the game you know you need to read or you she likes she used to like to draw a lot like draw or play that violin or all them other instruments i done bought that she don't do nothing else with that's in there you know <laughs> do something <laughs> constructive with yourself but with yourself you know, and now thinking on it, it's like I can try to make her schedule all of that and do all of that. For what about you? I can't do it for myself. It's crazy. <laughs> you you can, you can, can, but you gotta choose to. Right, that's true. You gotta choose to. You we we have to start putting ourselves first because I think that's where we're lacking at. That's why we are beginning to be so so tired and so stressed out. Like we're always trying to be the the superhero the model citizen the this that and the third but we forget to be human right we are not robots our bodies and mind will break down mm -hmm. our job is try to preserve that type of thing like we look at people and be like oh they live to a hundred and some yeah they did but they didn't work themselves to death that's true you gotta know when the, to like take a step back 
yeah, take a step back and just enjoy life. We don't enjoy life. We we work too much. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't I'm not saying that working is like, you know, bad or whatever, but we need to start investing more in self. Yeah. If if we invest more in self, we'll have more to give out and to provide for this world as opposed to what we have now. Yeah. It's it's just to me it's just like how we're doing earth. We're doing all these things. We're building all the buildings, taking all the resources and earth is dying. Why? Cuz y'all don't leave our ass alone. Let her, you know, regroup. <laughs> let's Literally. let's grow some of stuff like, you know, take care of it. Mm-hmm. But it's it's all this, you know, do 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 and b b b but we don't take time to just rest. Right. A therapist of mine um that I had prior to the one I have now, she used to tell me all the time that you know the whole like with your cup or whatever, like you can't pour from an empty cup, empty cup or whatnot. And she's like, you know, you should think of it as a cup that's sitting on a saucer. And she's like, your cup should always be full. It should, and the people around you only get the excess. So like your cup mm. should never be empty. The people around you, work, school, kids, family, get the overflow. She says, so you have to constantly make sure that your cup is running over. And that's what people get. You don't take from your cup. They get what's spilling over. And, you know, I clearly didn't take that to heat. Like, didn't do anything with it. You know, maybe somebody else can use it. (laughs) I try to use it a little bit more. But, you know, it, it was a true statement. You know, that, like, if you make sure that your cup is always full, then people will never be able to take from you. They're only getting the excess. So you don't ever feel depleted. You're never feeling drained. You're not pouring from anything that's empty because you're only giving the extra stuff that you have. I like that. I really do like that. I don't think I've ever heard that before. Um, But I think that excess is what we need. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I think people pour so much of themselves into so many different things and people yeah. that they can never get to the excess. Right. They they themselves get that excess. Right. That and that's not that's that's not right. I know. And I know from a not a not me as a parent, but from parents' perspective, they feel like they gotta put their children first. Mm. And maintain that, you know, we got the children first, then we got, you know, partners and we got jobs and we got family and friends, then themselves. Mm-hmm. Why are you the last person when you're the one giving? Because it's just like if it's a business, do you pay everybody before you pay yourself? That's not no, how that works. It's not, but it, you know, it's, it's so hard to keep that, to have that mentality, you know, like, especially being, you know, a woman, then everything flows through you sometimes. I think like as moms, you know, and as a wife and it, it all flows through you. So you just sometimes don't ever feel like you have the time for yourself because you got to make sure your family's good. You got to make sure the kids are good. Got to make sure the house is good. You know, it's just, and then when you do have like that small window of time, you just want to sit there and stare at a hole in the wall. <laughs> you know, like you don't want to move. You don't want to do anything. And I think that again, unlearning things that we learned within the black household and the black community, because I saw my mom do everything and my dad worked. And he paid the bills, you know, and, but my mom did everything and I never saw her have downtime. 
like that, you know, and it's been a learned thing. I think that has now have been passed down to us so much to like, you don't take breaks when you are quote unquote, like maybe the head of the household, because I think that men also have a lot on their shoulders, you know, and not feeling like they can take a step back from family life or from being, from being in that role as a husband and stuff like that, you know, so it just, it's such a learned thing. And what I'm learning now in therapy that it untraining your mind and like from all of those things that you learn is hard, you know, and that takes work and a lot of work that a lot of people aren't willing to do. Like it sounds good mm-hmm. to say like, oh, I'm gonna put myself first. It's like, but, and this is coming from personal experience. Do you actually do it though? You know, I can honestly say that um, last year, yeah, last year, well, yeah, last year, I finally put myself first above my family, you know, and I did what I wanted to do within reason, you know, still got to make sure my family good, but I focused so much on myself and I don't think I've ever done that in my life. And I was able to, I got into this master's program. I finished my master's in a year. I wrote a book, like I got a teaching job and it was like, dang, this what it feel like. But now I want to worry about nobody else, you know, but but it, it took me 36 years to do that, to like put myself- But you did it. I did. Even in marriage, you don't put yourself first like you think that you are, but you really don't. Even when, I think even in my moments when I was thinking that, okay, I'm doing this for me, I wasn't. I'm doing this for me because it's going to benefit them. I can do yeah. this because it's going to make them, them happy. Yeah, it's never like, what's going to make Bernadette happy? What does Bernadette want to do? not worrying about anybody else or anything else. And I think that that is a hard thing for black people to do. I think parents is really, really hard to do. Like there's not enough things out there. I think that help us, that help facilitate that mindset. Right. Well, like you said, it's, it's super hard because it's that um, piece of being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, they got to admit some things to themselves that, you know, I am doing these things for others benefit. Like it's not really for me. Um, right. and also just, just kind of understand, like, I can admit that I don't know what makes me happy. Um, I don't know how to live without doing for others. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said earlier, you know, it makes people uncomfortable with trying to answer those type of questions and, you know, face certain things about themselves. So we do what's more comfortable to us and we stay in the repeated cycle where we're always giving and, mm-hmm. you know, depleting ourselves. And when it comes time to, you know, try to stand up for ourselves or speak up for ourselves, we don't know how to do that because we've just been going through the motions. Yeah. I'm and trying to figure out what it is or not even what it is. Sometimes who am I? Yes. What do I actually like? What do I enjoy? Do I enjoy these things or, you know, are these things, um, you know, true to me? Are these my beliefs or is it somebody else's belief? Like mm-hmm. trying to understand that and go through the motions of um, destroying what was taught, um, yeah. what our culture believes in um, mm-hmm. and, you know, forging out our own. That's scary. Because at the end of the day, you want that support. You want somebody who can say, yeah, I know how it is. You know, I'll support you on that or I'll help you through it or whatever like that. And not be like, nah, you, you good on that. Like, I ain't, I ain't into that type of stuff for it now. You wild and you need to have a job. (laughs) 
What you mean you about to live in a van? <laughs> hey, like you might want to rethink that. Maybe you do. Right. <laughs> you you need people that is going to support the dream that you have for you. And with with the black community, we are so conditioned to thinking that we have to strive for certain things and to achieve th- certain things to be well off or to be you know wealthy and to be happy. And it's just like, now nah, we really don't need to have those things. We really need to invest in self. Right. And that's where I feel like us as a community is like lacking on. Um, and that's why we do have so many, you know, mental health issues and so many people that are depressed or so many, you know, so much violence and stuff because people just don't know how to love themselves, let alone love anybody else. Right. I agree. I think that too, you know, you, as a black community, we just got to band together more and look out for one another. Like, I think that there was a time where that, that was a thing, you know, like where it took a village. And I think we just so quick to say like with people when they're dealing with things, you know, and there are definitely boundaries that have to be in place with dealing with certain people, certain situations, but to just be like, Oh, I don't want to talk to so-and-so cause she's sad today again, girl. Like she don't feel yeah. like getting up, you know, I can't deal with that today. Like you're not about to put a damper on my day or whatever. And you know, it's just like, it takes nothing. It costs you nothing to be kind to somebody and, and to listen to a person like, cause you like, uh, we were talking about it today, actually, when I left work, um, the guy that took his life and we were just like, we wonder what the breaking point was for that. You, you know, like, I I just can't imagine how he felt in that moment. I can't imagine what was the thing that tipped him over. And mm-hmm. it's just to think that I could have helped somebody in a situation like that or to have been, like, just lend a, a, a listening ear. Like like how you said earlier when you'll say, like, hey, here's my number. Call me if you need to talk about something. We need more people like that. We need more people who are willing to you know, just take a chance on somebody. Like you might end up on the phone for two hours, but it could have saved their yeah. life. You know, like, I think that we have to start functioning like that. Like, okay, I don't necessarily want to do this, but it could save their life. If I don't right. take this call, how could this have ended up for this person? You know, right. we, we got to start thinking about one another and loving each other a lot more than what we do right now. Wait, that's, that's exactly true. Um, we need more risk takers. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say risk takers, uh, like I told you earlier, I was like, this might be overstepping the boundary, but I'm going to risk it anyway. <laughs> like, we need more people who, you know, are going to, you know, shake the ground and is, is going to, you know, step over the the boundaries that people think that they should have or whatever like that, just to make sure that people know that there's somebody that cares about you, that loves you, that, right. you know, wants you to remain on this earth. No matter what, even if they're a stranger, you mm-hmm. don't know what paths you're supposed to cross um, in your life to help somebody else. And I know I struggle with that. Like, I know my purpose is to help others. And I've realized that my purpose in helping others can look like a many, many different, you know, ways and whatever. But I know when, you know, spirit speaks to me and says I'm supposed to reach out to somebody, I don't mm-hmm. hesitate anymore because I, I never know. And like you said, I don't want to be like, oh, no, nah, I ain't going to do that or whatever. And then next thing I know, something happens to this person. Right. Or they find themselves in, like, you know, situations they could that could have been prevented. Sometimes I get messages that 
I don't even know nothing about this person. Probably ain't never talked to this person before. And I'll just, you know, hit them up in a DM or whatever, or, mm-hmm. you know, stop them and be like, Hey, um, I'm supposed to say this. And that's exactly what I say. <laughs> don't think I'm weird, but I'm supposed to tell you this. And I kid you not, every time I say that, every time I get messages, it's always something that they need to hear. I thought that for so long, for Mm -hmm. so long, because I thought it was weird. Um, You know, the people that know me, they already think I know I'm weird as it is, but this was something different. You know, Mm -hmm. this is something outside of my personality. These are things that, you know, I felt on my spirit that I need to tell somebody and actually knowing is something they need to hear and not knowing them that was strange for me yeah but after doing it so many times or whatever and just going off of um off of what i know and what feels good to me i know it helps them Mm -hmm. this is another reason why you know i'm doing these type of things because people i'm one of those people like i like to tell my testimonies i done been through a lot of different things in my life and my testimony is going to help somebody else. Your testimony in this book is going to help somebody else, parents, because I know there's millions of parents out there that could have been going through the same thing that you've gone through, but they don't have anybody to talk to, nobody understood, or they, you know, they feel like, you know, there's not resources out there or anything like that. And even kids, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. um, we'll see in like movies and stuff like that. You know, the, the the mom is like drunk or the mom is laying out and the kid got to raise, you know, the other sisters and brothers. But we're not talking about why this mom is like this. Exactly. You know, what's really happening in the background It's the why. Um, so we all have different stories and different testimonies that we need to tell and not feel so, oh, well, ain't nobody going to listen to me or nobody want to hear my story. Tell it anyway. I don't care what it is. Tell it anyway, because you don't know who needs to hear it. Mm-hmm. And this book, people need to hear. I know personally of a couple people that have gone through the same thing and didn't even realize it. Mm. We hear about these people all the time. Oh, well, this mom done drowned her kids in the ocean. They right. done drove off a cliff. They done, you know, she done set the house on fire. Why? Right. Because this woman was going through the same thing that you was going through. We got to get to the root of it. And I think, you know, I definitely learned a lot more compassion for parents in general. One, having gone through it, but being in the school system, like, you know, you hear some teachers, oh, her mama don't care and this, that, and the third and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, but why is she doing it? Right. You know, like, and that was another big reason why I wanted to write the book. I think it's because black parents get the, a bad rap like oh they lazy they don't care about their kids and this and the third but what people fail to realize is black people are dealing with trauma and that affects yes. how you raise your children you know it generations yeah it affects how you show up as a parent it affects how you show up as a friend as a co-worker i mean it, it affects every every arena of your life and it's like you know you have to cut people slack because at the end of the day we all dealing with some kind of trauma whether people want it yes we are there is trauma there that you just probably don't even know about. And Mm -hmm. I really wanted, and I really hope that the book sparks conversations to like, cause my main goal is just for kids to grow up in healed, happy homes. Like literally that that's really what I want. And that's why I did the book. Like I want moms and dads, you know, to understand that like what you're dealing with or what you're going through, ain't no shame or no blame in it. It's hard. Life is hard without kids. 
you know, yes. as I hear from some of my friends and stuff. So when you throw children, person in, without kids, single, <laughs> it's a struggle. <laughs> All the struggle was driving. Right, so we all on the struggle bus. You know, like, we picking up people as we driving along. Right. You need a ride? Hey, I don't want parents, you know, to feel like what you're going through is something to be shameful about. You know, like, it find you somebody, anybody. You can hit me up on Instagram if you need to, to talk about those type of things. Because it happens, and I think the biggest struggle for me was knowing that and dealing with depression does not make me a bad mom. Like I had to really realize that like, I just happened to be a mother that suffers from depression. Like, okay. You know, as long as I'm always trying, which I am and in therapy and stuff like that and very aware of what I'm dealing with. I think that's the thing too, that like our kids hurt more when we do not accept what's going on with us because we find the masking and it makes you angry and irritable and you just have zero patience, no tolerance and stuff. And it's like, if you feel like you got all of that going on, it's like, you know, we need to take a step back and say like, what's going on with me? Because now I'm pushing it on for my baby. And the last thing that you want is for your kids to feel like anything that you're going through is because of them. You know, like, mm-hmm. I think it, it would have broken my heart into a million pieces if my child ever felt like what I was dealing with was because of her. And so I really hope that the book spreads awareness to, like, let moms know that it's okay. You're not by yourself. Like, it happens to the absolute best of us. And no matter mm-hmm. what, you're trying. And that's all your kids need is that you're trying. Trying. Hey. All right. So we're going to go into our fast five. Oh, Lord. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready. <laughs> so, um, for those of you that don't know, the Fast Five is where I ask five different random questions, and um, whatever comes to Bernadette's mind, she has to answer. So, um, the first one is, what is your purpose in life? To help people. Okay. Um. The next one is, what is one thing you wish to accomplish before you die? To open up a center for mental health I for moms it. and kids. I'll come and speak. Good. I'll volunteer too. <laughs> Glad to have you on the team. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you could sum up your life story in a headline or title, what would it be? Wow. You would stump me on the third one. I was on a roll. Now here we this go. This is the question that stumps everybody. <laughs> a headline or a title. Uh, arrested development. Arrested development. That's entering. We got to elaborate on that. I um, had had a conversation with another young lady that I had met through Instagram, you know, because of the book or whatever. And we were having a conversation and we had a lot in common and did not even realize it. And we both had kids very, very young. And as we were talking about it, it and I think I mentioned, touched on it a little bit earlier, how having children at a young age stunts your growth. Yeah, I like I think that my brain stopped at a certain age and I didn't grow anymore. And it took me a long time to one admit that there was a disconnect there. Like, I think I was immature 
for a really, really long time. And that's what something that she had said. And it really stuck out to me with that. And it was just like when we got to talking about it, it was like it was literally arrested development. Like when you dive deep into what that really means, it's like it was stopped at a certain point. So I think that kind of sums up my little headline or whatever. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, name a single event or moment that brings a smile to your face. Having my daughter. <laughs> I don't I, know why I knew you was going to say that. <laughs> I know. And, I mean, could I have said anything else and still been a good mom? <laughs> um, and the last question, what do we want it to be? What's something you think every person should experience in their lifetime? As crazy as this sounds, heartbreak. And why is that? I think that you don't ever know how much you can love something or somebody until you get your heart broke. I think that it it, it changes you in a way that, depending upon your perspective on it and what you do with it, it can change you for the better. I think in a lot yeah. of ways, like I think having had my heart broke one too many times, um, I learned a lot about myself. You know, I learned a lot about what I wanted, what I needed, who I was, how deeply I could love, how I wanted to give that to somebody that was deserving of that. You know, like I think that heartbreak is something that it can be looked at as a bad thing, but it really opens up your heart. Like if you think mm -hmm. about it, like like literally it's opening up your heart to different things and it it forces you to deal with yourself in a way that you probably never would have had your heart not been broke. Yeah, I totally um, agree with that. I really loathe when people be like, oh, I had a failed relationship or whatever. You didn't have a failed relationship. You learned a lesson. Well, hopefully exactly. you learned a lesson, mm -hmm. but there's something to be learned out of everything that you feel like failed, whether it's relationships, whether it's friendships, whether it's you know work or whatever it is. Everything is going to provide some type of lesson to you. Mm -hmm. You just have to see that light and right. that love in that storm mm -hmm. that you're going through. And, Absolutely. you know, heartbreaks are not the end all. Right. You can always find love again. But It's a new beginning. Yeah, it's a new beginning. And when you, I feel like every time you have a heartbreak, like you say, you learn all the lessons, but you also find uh, fall deeper in love with yourself. Yes. Because you're learning more about yourself and, you know, your wants and your you know, dislikes and things of that nature. Um, it just brings about a, a whole new layer, new layer of who you are and, you know, how you want to proceed forward in life. So, right. yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, heart Heartbreak is one of the things that I feel like everybody should go through because you need to know what it feels like to lose something. And that heartbreak doesn't always have to be, you know, romantic. You know, sometimes right. we have heartbreak when it comes to parents. Mm -hmm. Um you know, absolutely. It's just different things. Um, I think one of my biggest heartbreaks was with my father, and you know, we're we're good now. But there was a point in my life where we didn't talk. You know, he did something to me, I didn't like it or whatever, and I was even willing to send him to jail. <laughs> I was that angry. <laughs> you like that? I was sometimes. that angry. Yeah, like my heart was very broken because you know. Um, growing up, you know, I was a daddy's boy. Like you can tell my, tell me my daddy didn't do no wrong, 
I don't care if he, you know, told me that he was going to pick me up and didn't pick me up. I know he's going to pick me up next week and he might not pick me up next week, but he could do no wrong in my eyes. Right. Right. (laughs) He could do no wrong in my eyes. But when I got older and I started, you know, noticing like, okay, like this is who he is. Mm -hmm. You know, we all have like boundaries. We all have things that we're just not going to tolerate. And me being the person that I am, um, the person that he and my mom raised me to be, I'm very outspoken with what I want, what I'm not going to do and that mm-hmm. type of thing. So when I got older and I, you know, started recognizing those things, I was like, nah, I play a, nah, you're going to play with somebody else, but not me. <laughs> right, um, yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where I had to learn that, you know, everybody is not going to show up for you how you want them to. Um, you know, there are some things that the people that you love the most, they can break your heart. They can lie to you. They can, you know, um, mistreat you, not show up for you in a manner or not even love you the way that you want to be loved or whatever. Those are the type of things that you're going to have to learn how to, you know, uh, break down and, you know, talk about and think about and, you know, proceed on in a way that benefits you and also is like, um, like where you can get uh, what I want to say like a beneficial relationship out of it. Like we're, we're, we're not like angry within each other, each other or anything like that, but we're not as close as I want to be. Like, I love my dad to death. I know he loves me to death, but we don't talk all the time. Um, and that's where we are. That's the comfort that where we are, but we know that we love each other and you know, there's no hard feelings, but it, it took that heartbreak to, get me in a place where I am now because I was just angry at first. You know, I didn't understand and I didn't learn the lessons or even think about even some of the things that he was going through. Um, as I think as right. As children, we don't, we don't see our parents, even, you know, as adult children, we don't see our parents as being the people that should have these type of problems or not being able to communicate or not being able to love and, like, sometimes we think that, oh, well, hell, you've been my dad for 39 years. You should have it by now. Right. No, that's not always the case. Like, sometimes people, you know, they learn at a slower pace and you may have outmatured your parent. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, we got to kind of meet them where they are and then start, you know, just kind of dealing with, with yeah, dealing with who they are. And, you know, you learn to put your boundaries up and, you know, create space when needed. <laughs> yeah. Um, So... It's, it's different type of uh, heartbreaks out there that, you know, it's going to affect you in different ways. And I think that every heartbreak is a lesson to learn something. Mm-hmm. I think that everybody that is put into your life, you're meant to learn something from them, even if it comes from pain. Um, yeah. I think pain is one of the greatest things that anyone can experience because those are when you learn your your hardest lessons in life. Um, so I, I really like that. That was a new one. Nobody ever said that. Really? One. No, nobody's ever said that I before. I've never heard anybody agree with me when I said that, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, cause I would tell one of my friends, um, it was matter of fact, an ex of mine that and I think I was like, you know, the first one that she was like in love with and this and the third. And I was like, she's not going to ever be what I need her to be until she have a heart broke. Not necessarily by me, but just in general, you know, like, I think you, you love different when your heart has been broke you love more intentionally i'll say that you do 
and broken. And you learn that. And I think that, you know, like you said, it doesn't necessarily have to just be in a romantic relationship. I've had friends that have broken my heart. You know, I mean, you know, to the point where your chest feel like it's about to cave in and you be like, dang, I ain't no freak or how you like that, you know? Right. But it taught me a lot, you know? So I, as much as it sucks, like I I, I welcome it always, you know, like if somebody ain't for me, then they just not for me. And if it takes a heartbreak to learn that, then it just does, you know? But I think that I can honestly say that from each heartbreak that I have had, I have become better every single time. You know, you just have to look at the positives and a lot of those things like that. And I like what you said, too, like as far as um, knowing like what your dad may have been through and everything, because the first person was my daughter's father. And I think that when I got to a certain age, I started to realize I'm like, you know, we dated when we were really young and everything. And I knew a lot about his life, but I didn't. I knew it but I didn't apply it to the type of person that he was. So I think a lot of times we know a lot of things about somebody, but then we don't ever correlate that with how they are as a person. You know, I know that he can do X, Y, and Z. You know, he's not going to be like this or whatever. And as I had gotten older, you know, my daughter got older, I started to, I'm going to say feel bad for him, but I started to understand why he did what he did. I started to understand why he was not around. And it gave me some solace, you know, in the fact that like being a single parent, it is what it is because I would much rather have done it by myself than have that around my child. Like, I don't think she would have turned out to be the same person that she is right now had he stayed around, you know, but I couldn't be angry at him for going the way that he did because he went through a lot of shit in his life from a child up into, you know, like teenage years and stuff like that. And it would have been hard for anybody to function the right way, you know, right. as far as that goes. So I think that it just heartbreak can be a beautiful thing. It expands your mind. It expands your thought process. It, it just teaches you so much. Yeah. It, adds, it takes it, you out of that tunnel vision. Yeah. So um, the next thing that I wanted to do, I usually do this by myself, um, but there's something that I call secret sauce. And basically, you know, secret sauce is always some kind of like inspirational message or, you know, whatever's on my heart or something like that, that I want to, um, that's centered around whatever the episode or whatever message it is I'm trying to um, convey. But mm-hmm. today I'm going to allow you to provide the secret sauce. Um, so, <laughs> you know, through all your experiences and the things that you've gone through, um what would be your words or your advice or something that people can, you know, take it to go and share with their friends? What would that be? Um, well, I have like two, so I guess I'll pick one. Go ahead. Hey, multiple okay. sauces. <laughs> multiple sauces. I'm a condiment type of girl, so I like a whole bunch of different <laughs> sauces. But the first one would be to allow grace for yourself. I think that we, I know myself, I'm very hard on myself all the time. And I think that anybody that's dealing with depression, even those that aren't, you know, you may feel like you just got to do whatever, keep up with the times. Like this generation makes you feel like if you're not doing X, Y, Z, then you ain't making it in life. But I think that a big thing is to allow yourself grace, like be where you are and just be there and know that better is coming. You have time to get there. Like there's no manual that says that you should have all of these things by said age. So, you know, in moments when you feel like you're not doing enough, it's like, take a step back and be like, but you here and you alive and you making it, you know, and that is, I mean, just, 
that's a lot within itself. You know, so I say my biggest takeaway one is to allow grace for yourself. Go easy on yourself. Be kind to yourself and to your mind and to your heart. And my next one would be, um, I can't remember where I heard it or where I saw that, but it has really helped to transform my days a lot of time when I wake up and say, like, God, show me how good it can get. Like that has been such a huge determining factor for me because it puts your mindset like in the right place early in the day. And it's like, God, show me how good this day can get. And and just doing that, it made me hopeful. It made me look for the brighter side in my yeah. day. It kept me positive because it's like, I know my God ain't about to let me die today. Like he gonna right. show me something. Even if it's in the 11th hour, it's coming. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But it, especially for somebody that's dealing with depression, that has hard days and hard moments. I mean, you know, even if you do it hour by hour, God, show me how good this hour getting ready to be because I'm having a hard time. But staying like saying that to yourself all the time. And then when you get in the habit of saying it, it's just like my whole attitude started to change. Like I was change. a lot happier because I knew that my day was going to be OK because I knew that God was going to show me how good it was going to get because I asked him to. I put it in the atmosphere. Yes that I need yeah. this day to be good. I want to see how good this day can be. And it, I mean, it sounds really simple, but it is life-changing. It really, really is. I really like those two sauces. Thank you. Yeah, sauced it up. That's, <laughs> I tried. That's going to be good out of, out of like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you did that. I like that. Thank okay, you. You're going to run for my money now. <laughs> oh, I might have to go on the next one. <laughs> yeah you gotta return that was cool i like that for real I, i've never heard of the the two or whatever but i really i really do like that like that whole gratitude looking mm -hmm. for gratitude looking mm -hmm. for the goodness in your day even if you know you don't know what's to come but right. finding something and knowing that it's gonna yeah. come i i love that I love when that because people wake you know, up in bad moods. Yes. They'll be ready. <laughs> mm -mm. And you know when you just asking that, your mind is already in depressed state. It's already like, oh, right. I know I'm, this day gonna be long. I'm gonna have a hard day. They gonna cut me off in traffic. My coffee ain't gonna be ready. The people gonna piss me off at work. But when you wake up and just be like, literally before your feet hit the floor, God, show me how good this day can get. And you have to say it. You know, it don't work the first time. It don't work the second time. Like, you got to constantly do it and really feel it. I think that that's the difference in it. And I promise you'd be surprised by how much better days you have. Like, I've been having a really hard time at work being in my first year as a teacher and working with just kind of crazy people. You know, not the kids, but the people and stuff. And it's just like, Lord, show me how good this day going to get because that one trying me today, you know. Right, right. Time, and I noticed that my attitude was different when I went into work. You know, I didn't have like the negative view, like, you know, you just got that one person that just always irritates yeah. you. Yes. Yeah, you know, you'd be ready for the irritation. So it already puts you in a not so good mood. But when I found myself saying this over and over again, it's just like I'd be like, good morning and keep it moving. And it don't bother me, you know, like because I'm looking for what good is coming from my day. So I ain't worried about that girl over there. So I'm looking for the positives in my day. And it's amazing how upbeat you feel, how much, how mm -hmm. much better you feel, how your spirit is light. Like, I think that being depressed, your spirit gets so heavy sometimes. And it's just like your mind is weighing on, your heart is weighing on you and your spirit, you know, and you have to really find like small little things to do throughout your day that lighten your load and always mm -hmm. put God in anything. 
will do that, you know, and speaking things into like into fruition and saying, I'm going to have a good day today because God's going to show me how good this day is going to be. And another thing that I started doing, like even in doing that is um, writing down good things that happened. And so, like, yeah. I've done it for, like, since the start of January, like, and still been doing it. And I look back on it, and it was like, bitch, you was fucking killing it this year. <laughs> like, you really, it's, it's like you have these small moments that are yeah. powerful and profound, and you don't think anything of them because you're so right. on the negative. So when you yeah. are constantly in a, a, a rhyme and a reason of just saying, like, God, show me how good this day is going to be. And you're looking for that. You'll be surprised how many good things happened in your day. Yeah. So I think that it, it it's amazing. It has done wonders for me. I'll say that. I, I love that. We have this thing um, when my uh, counseling coordinator comes in, we do one-on-ones. Um, the first thing she asks us, what are our glows and grows? And mm. me trying to figure out what my glows is, I'm just like, uh, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm here. I'm doing my job. <laughs> like, I'm I'm good. Today. I'm doing my job. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't I don't know what what was the glow. Like, I don't know. And so she's like, Well, what what happened? What did you do? And I'll just like do something random or whatever. And like, uh, one of these kids, um, he gets like anxious and he starts to get upset or whatever. And so he'll hide up under a desk. Well, um, when his teacher told me what was happening, whatever, I built him a little fort. Um, it was out of a, I think it was like a Amazon box I had, and I asked somebody for some fabric or whatever. It was a little rinky-dinky box, like literally. I just stapled it to the wall and put something up. And um, the teacher was like, he's using it. Like, he's calm. He's calming down or whatever. So I was telling my uh, counseling coordinator that, and she was like, yeah. She was like, oh, that's amazing. And I'm like, what? It's a box. <laughs> like, I literally took random things around the school and <laughs> made them a little fort. She was like, yeah. She said, but nobody else would have thought about that. Like, you was quick on your feet. It is helping the kid. Now he feels safe. And other little kids want to use the fort now. And I'm just like, okay. She was like, that's a glow. And I'm like, is it? She was like, yeah. And I'm like, yes. Like what? <laughs> she was like, you have to get more comfortable. Like I'm so weird with like compliments. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's like, if I don't feel like it's something like, wow, it's not wow to me. Like if I feel like I'm doing my job or, okay, here's a, you know, a problem and I am have a solution. I'm not going to say it's a glow for me because it's something that, you know, I'm doing my job. I'm here to help the kids. That was me helping the kids. Mm-hmm. But like, like you said, writing down the little things that you do throughout the day and like reading back on it. Like sometimes I'll get my old journals and I'll read and I'm like, you did what? Like you came a long way. Like, <laughs> like you got yourself grace. Right. You yeah. And it's that's sometimes that's tricky. Yeah, sometimes that's tricky because I don't think, you know, I, I preach about, you know, um, having that me time and giving yourself that type of thing. But, you know, giving myself grace I, that's a that's a struggle because I'm still harder on myself. I'm still like you know second guessing myself. Got to be a perfectionist. All the things. Um, and then it's like when everybody else see it, it's just like oh, you know, the other day you said you read my blog and you was like yeah, and I love it. And I was like, well, what did I write? I was so confused. <laughs> it's like stuff like, and I've been like that my whole life. And it's like when people 
you know, say they love different things about what I do is so awkward because mm -hmm. it makes me uncomfortable because I'm not used to giving myself grace. I'm not used to praising myself and, you know, showing that gratitude, you know, just for myself, like for being able to do these things and reach people in the ways that I do is just like, it's so foreign. So I guess that's something that I need to work on. Um, on that, okay. I'm <laughs> you're over there celebrating your okay. goals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that. I I love that. Like I really love that. That really resonated with me. Um, yeah. I really love that you're saying that because that's that is something that I struggle with, and I think I overlook it all the time. Just giving myself grace and and not being so hard on myself, and you know, always having to do all the things. Um, I know my, my therapist, she laughs at me all the time. Um, I'm always putting something on my plate and feeling I'm always having to do something, you know, I say it's for self, but I don't know if I'm trying to improve myself that I'm capable of doing something, um, or, or like what it is, but she's like, you don't have to do everything. And I'm like, well, why don't I, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so trying to, you know, give myself that grace in be okay with just doing like doing not the bare minimum, but doing what I have going now and not always having to outshine myself. I think right. that's what I'm trying to do. Like I'm always trying to level up on myself and stop mm -hmm. being in competition with my own self. Um, I think that if that, you go, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I think that if you start to celebrate your glows and start writing that down you'll feel, you'll realize how accomplished you already are. And it's like, I don't have to do all of that because I'm killing it right now. And I think that that would probably really help you because you're not taking the time to celebrate the things that you're doing. So it's almost feels like you're not doing anything because you don't have yeah. to celebrate the stuff that you have been doing. So yeah. you might kind of alleviate your plate some if you just look at what you got right in front of you and be like, you know what? This is amazing. Like I'm really doing it and let me just kind of hone in on this and keep working on that and not have to worry about all the other stuff because you are trying to outshine yourself because you never think you're shining. Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't at all. Like right now I'm in school. Um, I'm studying for my LPC and I got uh, invited to uh, two academic sororities or whatever for my GPA. And my friends was all excited. It was like, what are you going to do to celebrate? go home and do homework <laughs> like what <laughs> like, no, like what do you mean I, like I, I'm not celebrating like even like for my master's degree I didn't attend graduation I was just like give me my degree like I I don't know I don't know, you know if it's what? like I was the same way because my graduation is Saturday for my master's degree and I was not gonna walk I was just like eh, it's not that big of a deal you know like I kind of get the same way where I'm not gonna celebrate all it I don't like like all that attention surprisingly <laughs> I really don't <laughs> so it makes me feel very uncomfortable and so I was like no I don't want to do it but then I had to talk myself out of that like no you deserve to celebrate this like even with um having written a book like I had to tell myself like bitch you wrote a book like yeah. that's 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 to be proud of you know that is I'm at work congratulate me i'm just like oh my god oh my god it's not that big of a deal but then it's like 
it is that big of a deal. You know, like yeah. I got to start hyping my own self up and you got to yeah. start doing the same, you know, like you deserve to be celebrated in even the smallest of moments and the big moments. But it's really hard to appreciate the big things when you don't celebrate the small stuff. Like, as you feel like everything has to be really, really big in order for it to be celebrated when that's not the case. Like when you come out of your little bottle of depression and stuff and be like, you know what? I took a shower today. I'm on the way. Yeah. I'm going to have a good day. You know, <laughs> it, it sounds crazy, but it's a small win sometimes because that's all you can do in a day. So it's, I mean, you literally, when you start writing it down and you look back on it, you're going to feel like, I feel so accomplished this year. And it, had I not written all that stuff down, I'd have felt like I hadn't done anything that I hadn't like accomplished anything because I'm very hard on myself too. And I'm just like, Oh, I don't have to do this. I don't have to celebrate that. I don't want to do this, you know, but then I'm just like looking at all this stuff that I did. And it's just like, wow, you know, being a parent and being, having been in school and working and you did all of these things. Like you deserve to celebrate yourself, the, especially the way you celebrate other people. You know, yeah. like it's, I think sometimes with giving people and with impasse, cause I'm, I'm just going to go on out on a limb and say you're an empath. Right. Yeah. <laughs> much. So, you know, <laughs> you tend to always give so much of yourself to other people and be other people's hype man all the time and, and trying to keep people afloat. But what are you doing for yourself? You know, because you're not, exactly. not you telling me about myself on my own show. Okay. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. <laughs> Oh man! No, 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 no! It's cool, but no, I needed to hear that. I needed to hear because you know my friends tell me that all the time. My mm -hmm. therapists tell me that all the time. But these are people that know me. You know what I'm saying? Right. These are people that know me, and it's just like hearing that from somebody on the outside is just like, "Hi, right, Drew. Okay, okay." <laughs> But no, all right. I think you're amazing. Like I haven't known you very long at all. And I think that you have an amazing spirit. Like what you're doing is phenomenal. You alive and you here and you still trying to help other people in the midst of helping yourself. Like that is yeah. something to be applauded because a lot of people can't help themselves, let alone do that simultaneously while helping other people, you know? So yeah. like you, that's going to be your homework, Drew. You're going to have to make sure that you write down a glow every day for yourself. And I'm going to be checking in to make sure that you do it. Oh, my God. <laughs> my cheeks hurt so much. <laughs> so we okay, have okay. a follow-up conversation Ooh. to see if Drew is actually keeping Ooh. up with this. <laughs> I I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> the heat is on, okay? It okay. is. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay. On that note, we are going to end this because she's going to give me some more homework. <laughs> oh, God. That's too funny. That's too funny. All right. So tell the people where they can find you, where they can buy the book and any other uh, way that you would like to communicate and fellowship with them. Um, my book is right now is live on Amazon. The title again is If Not Me, Then What Could It Be? Please, 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 you know, spread the word and also leave a review that really helps. Like, I just, I really want to get people's feedback on how they're feeling about it because I got another one in the works that I want to do. So I kind of want to see how people are feeling about this one. Um, it's just weird giving out my social media, like, 
I didn't know. I feel old. Doing oh, that. and also, I never knew you. You you plugged it in, or when you said uh, you want kids to come from healed, happy homes, and I was like, "Isn't it her Instagram?" <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> right. But like for real, I I really do like that. That is is my thing. Like I just want kids to grow up in happy homes. I want parents to be happy, and if parents are happy, then kids are happy. So my Instagram handle is. Healed happy homes. Get it? Should be very easy to find. <laughs> oh my God. This is funny. Um, okay, so yeah, I'm Amor Jomay. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Jomay's dot to go plates. That's J O M E I S dot to go plates. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast platform of your choice. Leave me a review. Um, questions, or if you want any advice or anything like that, you can do that on Apple Podcasts. You can also leave me a voice message that I'm going to start playing on Spotify. Um, and you can send love donations. Love donations go to equipment. It goes to services that I'm providing um, by clicking the link below. So with that being said, order is up. Now take it to go and tell a friend to tell a friend. Orders up. Now take it to go and tell a friend to tell a friend. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at jomaze.togoplates and subscribe to the podcast platform of your choice. Mm-hmm.